the thoughts and ideas you hear on this show are just our opinions. We have no affiliation with any restaurant or business whatsoever. We are just two guys hanging out talking about food. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? This is Tasty 219, Season 3, Episode 8. My name is Larry, and sitting behind me currently, <laughs> actually, is Greg. I actually like this positioning because I can make fun of you all episode. Why couldn't you have done that otherwise? <laughs> so we have a special event for you today, not our typical review podcast. We were privileged to attend the first Farmer's Table dining experience at Howe Farms on Friday night. We sure did. And so with an intro, we're going to go out of order. Usually we do the uh, pre-podcast beer first, but I think we need to do the intro today. Sure. We have Steve Howe from Howe Farms in Crown Point. How Thanks are you? having me, guys. Have Absolutely. you recovered from the event on Friday? I may never recover from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> You were very much the expert that night. You would never have guessed that that was the first time you've hosted an event like that. That's very true. The beauty of teaching, right? You're in front of people often. <laughs> you are a great host. Your son you. follows in your footsteps, and he was mingling with the crowd and uh, showing everyone the newborn goat. And yeah, he convinced me to pet a goat. Yeah, he had some funny <laughs> jokes. By the end of this, maybe you'll take it home. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> he was telling us that Buster is his favorite uh, farm dog. <laughs> so give us your address. And your website? So, 14091 Crown Point. Uh, website is howfarmsmeats.com. And you're also on Instagram? Instagram at howfarms. Yep. And Facebook as well. Yes. You yes. also have a self serve store that's Correct. open on? Fridays and Saturdays, 8 to 5. Right. And, and that, the products in there vary? So, we are to a point now where we can. Um, we can stock pork or our pasture-raised pork year-round. Uh, we are hoping within the next 18 months our beef is to that point as well. Uh, and then seasonal chemical-free produce and, uh, you know, things like that. Our honey is seasonal. Our maple syrup is seasonal. Different Very things cool. like that. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that you had honey until the night of the event. That's pretty awesome. How many times have we come and got stuff from here? Probably Two or three, I'd say. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. It's been awesome every time. Yeah. Good. Glad to hear. you Never have some. Keep it in my fridge for terribly long. I open it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is here. I'm going to cook this tonight. And Larry's sporting some uh, merch at home. He's got, he bought your shirt as soon as you had that out. And uh, I think you have some stickers, too. I do have some stickers. If you uh, you hear that, that traffic, we are outside on a porch, and it's uh. It's kind of cool. This is yeah. neat. I like this. Yeah, we're this doing this from the farm porch. The farm the porch. porch. And it's big old rockers. We are on location at the farm itself. It's very cool. I like it. <laughs> like rocking chairs, porch. It's very appropriate. I like it. Yeah, it is a very nice place. So give us a little uh, brief history of the farm. You said the it had been in the family since the 1800s or so. Uh, yeah, so my family... Um, was up in Chicago and obtained this through some crazy things, um, but land in the general area. Yeah. So it was more like Winfield, Merrillville area. Sure. Uh, 1851. Uh, 
and this was like the far south corner of what was got, you know. Um, and so, you know, everything that you can see at one point was family land, sold off, sold off, sold off. Uh, there was 10 acres left in the family, and I started buying it. Well, my wife and I, I should say, uh, started buying that back in 2014, just acre by acre, as both of us were teaching and coaching and all that. And like, ah, if we can afford an acre, we can afford an acre. Yeah. And um, and then two years ago, uh, my parents purchased. So we owned all the 10 acres and the house. My parents purchased the property next door, which was the house that my grandpa and great grandpa were born in. Nice. That's super cool. So they retired and wanted to be close to the grandkids. And, uh, you know, so... As long as we could lease all the land, they're like, we're going to go. We're, yeah. we're going to do it. So, okay. That's something we have in common. My family is one of the original founders of Porter Township in Porter County, Indiana. Unfortunately, we haven't kept the land in the family, but uh, generations have stayed there. And then he had a brother that went north along the Mich- uh, Lake Michigan Lakeshore and ended up, they donated all that property to what is now the... National Lakeshore Park. Wouldn't so. it be nice to have that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we this at Greg's it, place. There's <laughs> a lot more people can enjoy it now. So, um, it was my understanding, because we really got an education when we were here Friday night. I learned so much stuff. Yeah. Um, it was. It was more than just a dinner, it was like a whole experience, and you got to learn about you and your family. Uh, I, I take it that you originally started to farm hops here. Correct. Is that like something that's um, hobby, home brewing, or why hops? <laughs> that's go. why. You listen You listen to our podcast. <laughs> that's why. Maybe it was should. all about beer. Honestly, I so your right story <laughs> is my story. You're right. We, I fell in love with the people in breweries. And so I grew up with a with a farming background in the summer with my grandparents. Um, but I was a Highland kid. I, I was in a subdivision. Sure. Um, but I, I wanted to get back into farming. I didn't know how because I was never, you know, two teaching salaries. We were never going to be able to afford much land. Um, and so... I fell in love with breweries and hops started to intrigue me and I started getting into that research and everything and decided I'm going to rent an acre from my grandparents who had this property and that turned into well I'm going to buy the acre. All right and then and then and now how many acres of hops do you have? So we we have I will say two acres of hops. Two acres. It's it's fluctuated a lot as varieties come in and out blah blah blah. and as, you know, demand Exists. Do do the brewers tell you what type they want, or do you just grow what you want? So they will give me suggestions on what they will use. But does it grow here? And then what are the flavor profiles that our soil, our climate, all that is going is going to kick? Like you know, there's certain varieties that we have put in that have been horrible compared to what is coming out west on the flip side the ones that we still have we have because it's much better than what's coming for, you know. sure, sure 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 right on so uh, i apologize to the listeners from deviating from our normal routine so larry do you want to go ahead and talk about what beer we're drinking oh yeah we have a neuro neurospace ipa from crown brewing which has what four of your hops in here 
I don't know what's in this one. Okay. I don't ask many questions. I I just open the beer. I remember on the the menu on Friday there was a list of hops that were in here. It was decently extensive. Like there's there's quite a few different things going on in here, and you can tell this is very. I mean, it's an IPA, so it's already hoppy, but it's very. It's hoppy. It's got some sharpness to it. I'm very very into it. And when they canned this, they've only canned 48 cans, so we have six of them here today. So that was pretty neat. Um, I I like, yeah, I like the label. It makes you look like you're drinking something unique and special. I didn't try this the other night, but I really enjoy it. You did try mine. You did. Did I? You sure did. Yeah. And then you'll really like it. I did. Yeah, it's really good. And they also had a raspberry one, a raspberry wheat that I, I enjoyed as well. Wasn't for me. I'm not a not a big wheat beer guy, really. So, other than Crown Brewing, who else? Who other breweries do you supply? So, um, we supply for Burnham, Fuzzy Line, uh, Forefathers, Seeds up in New Buffalo, um, Evil Check will do one or two beers. Uh, Copacetic does a wet hot beer down in Monticello, um, and that's they buy everything. That's it. Yeah, they that, buy they buy us out. That's it's awesome. A very impressive list of brewers, though. Yeah, they're it awesome. is. I like. I wish I could explain just how much I love these people. Like they're awesome. That's yeah. so cool. That's such they a cool are, thing to be involved in. It, the beauty of our size, we are small, and so we've been able to build these relationships over the years. We were starting about the same time. Many of them were starting. Sure. Not all of them, but many of them. And. Um, you know, so we, we could cultivate these relationships and, you know, and there's been some that, you know, it just didn't work. We didn't click and we don't work with them anymore. Um, and there's some that, you know, it's like, hey, that's a dream to one day for us to work together just because we're friends. Like I have numerous brewers that we don't work with and I'm still friends with them. And I want sure. to I hope one day I can get big enough to or, you know, or something. Sure. I get um, that. I get that for sure. But they these I wish I could like put into words just how grateful I am because really I feel like the breweries have helped us with every entity that we have here. Um, they've done such a good job of promoting us and falling in love with us as well. That Absolutely. that um, you know it, it really helps us grow everything here. You know the hops have been you know it may be the worst margins, but it's been so beneficial for you know, for my heart too. It's been good. That's awesome. That's now, how do you awesome. take them from the farm to the brewery? Are they like fifty-pound bags, or so they're ten-pound bags? Ten-pound uh, pellets. So they go from the field through our harvester. From the harvester, they go into a dryer. From the dryer, they go into a hammer mill, which makes the dust. From the there, they go into a pellet mill, which pelletizes it. Sure. Uh, and then from there, we put it into bags and we um, CO2 purge them. Oh, very. To cool. get all the oxygen out. Send out for um, testing, get labels back. Is that all done here? I do everything. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So we were the first full processing facility in the state. Yeah. Really? And it's completely manual. It is. Everyone has all these fans. It is manual. It is a kid dumping hops from here to here. And um, <laughs> the beauty of that, though, is you can stay with the craft. Like, oh yeah, it's so. You know, smells and sounds. It's not just like numbers. You know, yes, that matters, but the smells and the sounds you can you can get things pretty quickly, um, and it becomes very repeatable. Absolutely understand that. I love. I, I do love that. 
I could do without the long days of harvesting, but... Well, sure, but it comes with it, you know. It does. And now we learned the other night that you have multiple plantings to have multiple harvests throughout the year? Well, there's numerous varieties. So each variety is ready at a different point. Um, and we, so we, we harvest everything within a three-week window. Uh, but they are, I will train them at different points so that I can stagger harvest even within varieties. Great, great. And then from there, you branched out into the pork and beef, right? Correct. And then produce and honey, too. That, just, that's, yeah, those are kind of things that we just... Very small amount of those, but you know, we try to make sure we have extra to diversify the store a little bit because we only sell what we raise. Yeah, exactly. That's, cool. That's, That's really awesome. Cool. I like that a lot. That is one that is. Uh, I actually, I have to do an Instagram reel for that here coming up, just because we get that question a lot. You know, why why don't we sell things? Because there's a lot of farms that do great things. Sure. Um, that don't have the access to people or whatever, um, and I kind of. Early on, we decided that we wanted to be a little different, and you know, with that, and we can't, you know, people trust us, uh, and they trust what we do. And if I take on someone else's product, I have to be able to guarantee that. Exactly. Um, and I don't know exactly what they're doing, and unfortunately, you know, I'm not willing to put my reputation on the line for someone else <laughs> and what they're doing. Larry, do you want to talk about? Um your excitement when we're out at restaurants and you see that they feature local farms? I love that. I, I love that. You if I'm have, somewhere, like, I'm, when I heard about this farm, we were at, it was season one, and we didn't have anything planned, so we're just like, hey, let's just go to, we'll go to your favorite restaurant, we'll go to my favorite restaurant, just because it's an easy thing. And Perfecto is my favorite restaurant. So I'm like, okay, cool, we'll go there. And um, I've had most of the stuff on their menu at this point, and I'm not really a huge pork chop person but i'm like you know what this is the local pork chop i'm gonna get it and it was the, one of the best meals i've had in years yeah um anytime i go to a restaurant and they get their stuff from a local farm i'm gonna order it regardless of what it is i do the same thing even it. when it comes I to beers that. if i see it's from like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna do the same thing by the way dirty little secret i don't like pork chops <laughs> That's flabbergasting. No, I will eat them, but it's definitely not my favorite five things that come off a pig. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's about what my head is, too, with that. I can, I can understand this, for sure. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. I, I wasn't expecting that. I'm kind of tongue-tied right now. <laughs> so then you also have a connection to supplying local restaurants. You do Proveco and Ramen District. Is there any others that are... Uh, we do a little bit. Um, there, there's some that'll kind of come and go. We do um, consistently, though. Uh, we numerous times a year we do some things with Fuzzy Line. Um, if you guys haven't been there for for one of your episodes, go. The chef Chef Bob is absolutely amazing as well. We have featured them as a, a local beer for one of our pre-podcast but we've always right wanted there. we've always wanted to go back go i go heard eat, brunch go is eat. good tell Not them yet. tell them that they i sent you and do a podcast with them oh we will okay yeah cool. you'll have yeah. A, you'll have a hell of a time his customer service is it's it's phenomenal um a little bit different style of food than you know yeah than, than some of the others but yeah it's it's good 
So then we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about the Farmer's Table event. Mm-hmm. Um, it was limited to 100 guests. Who came up with, with that concept? Uh, it was a team effort. We all said... so. Everything good usually is. Yeah. Um, so... Oh, Dave Bryan, the owner of Crown, and uh, Chris Pappas, the owner of Provincial, we're friends. All of us are fr- like, we sat down and we're talking. They've been trying to get me to do this for two years. Really? And I'm always pushing back at it. Sure. Uh, but um, they finally twisted my arm enough. I said, okay. So we sat down and kind of just hammered out details pretty quickly. And then we also met with, um, we all have some marketing teams that, you know, we work with and we sat down with them and again, just kept brainstorming and uh, that's kind of what came out of it. And then it became, you know, my wife made it go look pretty. uh, Yeah. I have, I have in my notes that it was planned out so well. You could never tell that it was your first time doing that. It was just amazing. Um, when we got out of the car and we checked in and gave our tickets, and then you're you're walking down that that lane, and you hear that music playing, you you really knew that you were in for a special evening. Yep. It, it it wasn't anything that I had imagined. I mean, you had you sent out seat sneak pictures and that type of thing, but it just blew me away. And then you saw those two big tables and the way everything was set up, and I'm like, so pretty, yeah. It really was. and uh, I love the things that you're pointing out, by the way. It uh, makes me smile. And number one, I'm meticulous as hell. I have a problem with that, and I obsess, and I probably didn't sleep for three weeks, right? Well, yeah, I'm sure I get that. You know, and I'm a very list-oriented individual. (laughs) But the things that you're you're mentioning, number one, my dad, he sawed every one of those boards. Really? So he has a sawmill, and he... that That's one of his, like, side things that he loves to do. Shout and out so to Dan. And so it was cool. Yeah, it's uh, very cool. And the guy playing the music, I taught next door to him for 12 years. Aw. And so, like, this was... He knew... You know, this has been for years. We talked about things I wanted to do. So the first one, I'm like, he... Now, he's a professional musician. Yeah. Sure. You know. Um, but it's awesome that those things stood out to you. Yeah. That makes, like... That makes me extremely happy. And then the backdrop of the hops, which I'm still, everyone that I have met since that night, I'm like, did you know that hops grow vertically like that? And I'm like, I just imagine that they grew like soybeans, you know, like in the field like that, and you just combine them up. I never imagined they would be, it was visually pretty. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're a pain in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) Like sitting at that really long, like... Nice natural looking table with like the like pretty like tasteful and minimal decor on the table next to that like those pretty rows of tall like is of tall hops like not to sound corny but it was almost like magical you know what I mean dude I, I really regret using that word right now because of how corny know, it sounds but like you know I what's funny by, damn it was magical screw it that is the word that people have used. More oh, right to on. describe good, good. it than anything else. And I laugh because I'm like, I would have never used that word. But I have heard that so many times from men and women alike. Right on. I'm like, I'm way less embarrassed now. No. I, I, as soon as I heard myself say it, I was like, oh, shit, that sucks. But right on. Good, good. Because I, I meant it. Thank you. I never you. in a million years would have thought that Proveco had been cooking the food right there. You know, I imagine that it would already have been cooked and then warmed and then served. And 
But oh, and they were struggling <laughs> with those flames too. Like, cause that that cooker, we my my neighbor is a welding fabricator. That's what he you know, and so he made that just you know so we could cook a bunch of food at once and. Um, you know, at, now we use it to make maple syrup, really. It but was, all that fat was awesome. dripping on it. And <laughs> <laughs> it was so entertaining to watch. And my hat's off to that whole crew. You never saw them losing their temper. They worked as a well-oiled machine. Absolutely. It was did. something they, they, they to were watch. They were incredible. They like, were. With that heat, too. It was it was 88 degrees out, and they were next to three-foot flames on a fire. Yeah. yeah. It was already muggy that day, and I turned around mm-hmm. and see these flames bigger than me. And, and they literally them, took oh, time no. out to talk to anyone who walked up there and started a conversation with them. It was amazing. Really, it was. No, they are incredible. Yeah, that was a really, yeah. really cool situation. <laughs> I so, loved everything about it. Yeah, so then everyone got to their seats, and then the cocktail hour started. Sure and did. the music was still playing, and with the price of the tickets, you got two drink tickets. And Crown Brewing had a wonderful selection of beers, wine. Yeah, four, four beer? Yeah. Four beers? Yes. And, and cocktails that incorporated some of your honey. Yep. It was... A great, a great. Oh, there was that, uh, that gin cocktail. Um, what was it? it? Was gin and honey and fresh lemon? I think that actually might have been it. There was no lot in it, and it was delicious. And I had three of them. It was called the Bee's Knees. It was, and I had a few. And every time I ordered one, they made them bigger and bigger and bigger. And that was very cool. <laughs> that, that's they, a true story. They do a good job with that. <laughs> no, the first one was in like a regular cocktail glass, and then one was in like I don't know, a smaller beer glass. The last one was in a full pint glass and it was to the top it's very cool <laughs> love that i'm a gin guy so that's oh, oh that's very many gin guys because i uh, am completely give me dry gin like that is my you give me bombay on the rocks throw an olive in there i'm done <laughs> i wish i would have brought some gin to this it is yeah I we wouldn't have had a podcast gin. then no, I, I never meet gin people ever every love time it. i have a pitch I'm like let's drink gin I'm like what why <laughs> screw you it's good i come from a long line of them oh, <laughs> And, and during the cocktail, awesome. cocktail hour, they had that w- Wagyu, yeah. Wagyu Crostini, yeah. and that was smoky shredded beef mm-hmm. and a whip. How was it? I did not try it. I oh, was, that sucks for you because it was great. I was going to ask you, <laughs> did you get to try anything I tried throughout nothing. the night? I was going to say, you did such a good job of talking to the guests. I did not eat until like 11 at night. Oh, this was really good. Um it had that fresh cream cheese with the herbs and chimichurri. Um, yeah, it was the perfect appetizer. It was great. It was so good. Uh, in fact, we had two members of our party that went up and got seconds on it. <laughs> it was yeah, so they good. Did. Good. And I had half of my mom's seconds. <laughs> and then, Sorry. then from there, we uh, were guided on a farm tour by you, which I, I really enjoyed. It was very educational. I liked that a lot. That was really neat. And it brings us up to the breed, feed, lifestyle. And if you could uh, expound on that for our listeners, that would be great. So we raised some animals. I've raised some animals growing up, and it was in more of a typical fashion that you would see animals raised in a feedlot and things like that. Um, And I knew early on growing up, there's something wrong about this. Well, when I... When we started this, we raised some animals. I did not like the results. So we tried some pigs, and I am like, this is just like stuff at the store. 
I tr couldn't figure out why. So I started diving in to things. Like I was reading, you know, things from Europe and articles on feed and breed. And, you know, and, you know, you start realizing pretty quickly the different things that are going to um, really raise that quality up and not just quality of product, but quality for consumer. So sure. nutrient density, uh, quality for environment. You know, being able to create these little, you know, micro environments and micro habitats just on a farm um, that, you know, is able to, you know, have green growing all the time, you know, and then you start talking about carbon footprints and everything. But, you know, that's <laughs> enough, um, you know, but we, we quickly realized those were the three things and the three components that we could identify, repeat and create systems around in order to create a product that was better for everybody. Right on. So when they look at your pig farm, mm -hmm. they don't see the normal pigs in a farm. You, it, it's hidden with the overgrowth, right? It's they're like intermingled in between. Yeah, they're part of a you know of a. I don't want to say a natural environment because there are fences, right? But it is as close to natural as we can get. Sure. Um, you know, you guys are here walking around. We finish 100 to 150 pigs a year. Did it smell like a pig farm? It doesn't. Not for a second anywhere. Exactly. You know, now, after the rain where they eat and stuff does. Like, it does. Yeah, sure. But, but like... um, I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't. But, um, you know, you're never going to, if if an animal's moving all the time, that means so's their manure. It, you can reduce, you know, we don't have to use antibiotics. You know, we can reduce pest loads. We don't have the manure buildup. You know, we don't have the impact on the land, so things can regrow easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, the benefits are endless. Is it more difficult to keep track of them? It's more labor intensive. Um, but that's now when when my parents moved over here and we started leasing all this property over here, we got the opportunity. To, well, I got the opportunity to create my own system, not just, hey, I have to do this here. Um, so all the breeding of the pigs happens on the pastures that were originally what we had. And now all the finishing happens over in this new system where I have some buddies um, that I that own factories that came in and helped me like, hey, movement of animals. You know, if we're going to be competitive in a price we point, you know, we cannot, we, we, we can't hire people. You know, we have to get to a point where the animal movement is what we're focusing on, not the people movement. So my inputs had to go down, you know, and so we created a system where the animals move around this hub in the middle um, and they come in and out of the barn down these little lanes and everything that also reduces stress. So when you talk about quality, another pinpoint or bottleneck of stress is when you're loading and unloading animals. Um, you know, so now they're used to going up and down these, these rows and these lanes. Uh, and so now they just walk right onto these trailers and we can reduce stress because, you know, stress is going to cause pH issues and it's going to cause meat quality issues. And who do you use for butcher services? Uh, so I have a butcher here in Hobart that cuts for us. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. That's yeah. not very far. No, it's. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably pretty great. And then the yes. other thing that I noticed was um, on, on the literature that you passed out uh, that evening with the menu and that type of thing, you you kind of reinvented it and call call it how farms craft meats. Is that from the the beer influence of craft beers well, or a craft is a craft? It doesn't matter. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, you know, 
it doesn't really matter if it's beer or it's uh, you know at Hobby Lobby. Yeah. You know, it's it's craft. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> That's true, though. It's it, and it is. We so every animal is, you know, their own individual you know, entity. They they each have different variations about them, um, and every part of what got to your plate was crafted for a reason. So when I say breed, feed, and lifestyle, it is that breed that was five years in the making for from me. Not including what someone else did to get those other breeds to where they were for that cross. For the feed, that feed has been five. We're in, you know, we're in corn and soy country, right? Sure. Well, we're soy free. How do you get feed without soy here? You have to come up with it yourself. Yeah. So I had. It was really interesting to learn when we were on the tour. I thought it was really cool. It it was, and that was a painstaking, I mean, think of how many generations of animals you have to go through before you realize, well, this is wrong. Well, I don't like this growth. I don't like this quality about the fat. I don't, you know, you know, and we've been through that numerous times. And now we have a mill that, you know, we we go through so much feed at this point that the mill does it all. They have a nutritionalist now where I gave them my own recipe and they're like, okay, now we're going to make it balanced and... That's awesome. You know, it's been, and that lifestyle of the the animals, you know, like you mentioned with, what the, uh, what the plants and everything look like out there is extremely important. And when we when we talk about um, the flavors within the meat and like different sweetnesses and being able to diversify a diet and not just be that feed that component, but also the roots and vegetative growth that they're eating, and those pastures all have wheat in them and they have turnips and they have radishes and they have clover and they have all these things for a reason you know yeah we have to you know the goal is to have bacon that is higher in omega-3s higher in vitamin d that's oh, yeah. amazing it's it's truly amazing what we learned friday night and there's cool probably so that, much like, more wouldn't normally here in like any other circumstances really you cool. just put it on a plate or put it on a shelf that's it yeah and <laughs> that's, that's all anytime i eat that's what happens and that's why that's not a craft fair enough that's that's that checks out for sure. That's super like a really good point. And then from there, from that informative tour, we went on to the first course. Yeah, and it was a fire roasted beet salad with cucumber, cherry blossom vinaigrette, and whipped feta. Yes, it was served with warm table bread, olive oil, herbed whipped ricotta, and garlic butter. I could have rubbed that whipped herb ricotta on my chest. It was so good. <laughs> I was actually by you guys when that came out. Oh, right on. And and you were going to town on it. Yeah, that, like you kept tracks. looking at me like, this is so good. This is so good. <laughs> and and I didn't even get to try it. The rest of us are like, could you wait for the salad, Larry, please? <laughs> no, I don't like beets, man. You, you ate you ate most of that salad. I, sure, I really did. And yeah. uh, I really liked it. I, I did give a couple of the larger chunks of beet to my mom. But uh, other than that, it was fantastic. And I did. I, I ate the beets. I was kind of happy with myself for doing that. That's impressive. That. I'm not a beet guy either. So, so thank you. So that is that. impressive. I feel like I'm with twins here right now. They're just the... a little dirty for me. <laughs> they taste like that's dirt. What that's what said. I said. That's exactly what he said. They <laughs> taste like dirt. <laughs> oh, and, I have rules, man. <laughs> and then from there, like I said, we brought Larry's mom and dad with us. No, oh, well, no, you brought them here. I didn't know any of us were coming. Well, it was a surprise for you. It was a surprise and, for me, and it was and, very cool. And your stepdad's birthdays, yeah, early birthday present. We thought the three of us thought the second course was 
the best of all of them okay. was the How Bangers and Mash. It was insane. That sausage was like, like you said, it's like something you've never had. It was, it was to die it, for. It was still sausage, but it was so different. My only complaint is the link wasn't bigger. It was that good. <laughs> and, you know, and that caramelized onion gravy and the potato puree, it was the perfect small Is potato dish. puree just a bougie way to say mashed potatoes? Or is it something I mean, else? That's my assumption. That's because like I was like, oh, potato puree. What is this? And they brought it out. I'm like, this is mashed potato. But mashed is a different consistency. Yeah. Okay. Fair. This was more creamier. Mm. It was so good. It was very good. I loved it. And, uh, mine uh, did not last very long. For our my son said it was good. As did my father. So. Yeah. For our great. listener is now is this a sausage that you have in your store? No. They so um, uh, exclusive. So yeah. So <laughs> Provecho and ramen, they get a pig every week. And so they make some of their own sausages and things. And that was um, the chef's recipe, like the, one of the things he wanted to do. The beauty of it, so within that breed, feed, and lifestyle, it's um, not just the flavor of the meat, but it's also the fat and the texture of that fat. Sure. And I have spent years curating that fat to melt more like butter. Um, and so in a sausage, you get different component mouthfeel like that where it's, um, you get almost creamier sometimes, but it's also just lighter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which it, it may, it, it, it's very different from the standard sausage that you see at the store that normally is no fat in there. And so it's all granular, um, yeah. complete different eating experience. I feel like it was amazing. It was so good. And then from there, we went on to the main course, or the third course, as I said, and that was uh, pork chop. Uh, It was cherry wood fired with maple and mustard glaze. Yes. Served with local cheddar grits and greens. And then we were served family style roasted zucchini, yellow squash with crispy Parmesan You could taste that smoky, like just... Fire on those vegetables. Yeah, the vegetables were Jesus, outstanding. Was so good. It was simple yet. My wife so would be good. happy to hear that. Yeah, that was her contribution to oh, yeah. she, the gardens the are hers. Yeah. Hey there, everybody. So, um, when we recorded this episode, there was about an hour and fifteen minutes or so worth of content. Um, while editing it, I realized that I only had about. 35 40 minutes of the content so um we're gonna have to hit you with a part two to uh conclude this guy i'm very sorry about that technology isn't uh foolproof it is a thing that uh goes wrong occasionally and uh that's kind of what we're dealing with so sorry about that and uh appreciate you listening thanks thanks